Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. The Lord is real and his hand is upon us for good. The Lord is real. I, I'm constantly searching now for words and the Lord keeps telling me it's reminding me that it's not my words, it's his grace and his anointing that's going to pierce darkness and cause light to arise on our hearts because that's what he wants to happen. He wants his light to truly arise in our heart, to shine on us so that we begin to see beyond what our eyes see. You are, the Bible says that you're children of the supernatural. You're children born of the promise, not born of the law, Paul says, as far as, you know, Isaac and Hagar. And he said, we're not, we're not born of the natural now. If you released faith in Jesus Christ, it literally says you are born of and from the supernatural. And uh, many, uh, and again, this is something you God wants us to meditate on, and dare to believe. Like I said, now I know we laugh when we make it when we say it like this, but you have to get out of your mind. <laughs> he wants you to get out of your mind, and I know that some of you think it's you're already halfway there, <laughs> but he wants he wants his spirit to be made so alive to you that, like I said earlier, suddenly you see the drastic difference between that realm and this realm. And I'm just going to repeat myself and that you might see that this entire moment that you and I are living in is just that. It's just a moment in time. And that remember out there, time doesn't exist. I know I've said that a lot recently, but I really want you to understand what God hath done, what God has done through Jesus Christ, has been done through Jesus Christ. It is a finished work. I said, it is a finished work. Jesus Christ fulfilled the mission that God set him on. I'm going to say that again. Jesus Christ fully completed the mission that the Father sent him on. There's nothing left out. Nothing has been left out of God's plan for you and I. Nothing. He fulfilled it all. But this is why Paul says so vehemently, really, you know, but you must have your minds renewed. You must be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you don't conform, remember, to this world. The only way you'll quit conforming to the world's standards, the only way you'll quit giving in to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is when that occurs, is when actually you begin to see from his presence, when you have your mind metamorphosized, remember that's what the word means, where your mind, your mind is literally metamorphosized. You quit thinking earthly. And everything changes then. Everything changes. The peace that I'm personally, right now, presently been experiencing 
is something I've read about, you know, for 35 years now. And like I've said before, I could quote the text. I could read the text on this onion skin paper. But it hadn't come alive to me. It hadn't actually happened to me. And it wasn't that I'd done something wrong. It's just that I hadn't, I hadn't spent enough, I hadn't spent, I hadn't put enough effort into what was always in front of me. But that's the case for all of us. So that's why I'm not condemned whatsoever. I'm just grateful it's finally taken place. <laughs> but now I find myself fighting between a frustration in that what I'm currently, in a, you know, whatever, what I'm currently experiencing, I desperately want each and every one of us to experience. Because... It's better than life. <laughs> it's better than the peace that's on the earth. It's better than sitting in the middle of the lake, relaxing. It's better than sitting by the sea, relaxing. It's just better because it's from another realm and it's permanent. I, I said it's permanent. Even when our dogs poop in the house. <laughs> I still have peace. Although my wife knows that I have a, I'm really tempted to lose it. Lose my peace. And the truth is, of course, I do lose my peace at times with it. But uh, for whatever reason, the magnetic attraction of the love of the Father that I now see is he, I am drawn back so quickly that I'm kind of beside myself. Trying to, because I'm, I'm aware more than anything that it's not from my effort. It's not from my self-effort. It's just that I'm here. He suddenly got me here so much. And like I said, it's become so alive to me that this is God-breathed. Like I said in the early, in the, when we opened the service. But really, to me, see, that's phenomenal. It's revolutionizing everything for me. I, I, this is God-breathed. This is the breath of God. And like the scripture says, it's his living voice. And as I put my face in front of this, I just am seeing now his breath coming into my mouth. I'm seeing his breath hitting me in the face. I'm seeing his living voice, no longer just text on a book, like I said. And I believe what it says in Corinthians, that I'm as I and as you. You see, this is what I'm trying to get. It's for you as we look into this that there actually is a transformation that begins. You begin to be transformed from glory to glory. Something, your spiritual awareness begins to increase, 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 but you don't even realize it, but your fleshly desires begin to decrease, 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 and, you, it's not, and you're not working to do it. I finally found the truth about it. It's not about saying no to this as much as it's saying yes to him. So I'm just blessed because my God is alive and because every single one of you are going to have an awakening because I'm asked for it and I'm abiding in his word. With all humility, I say that. And Jesus isn't a liar. He said, if I abide in your word and your word abides in you, he said, you can ask what you will and it will be done for you. And I've had this happen to me. I've, I've, you know, it sounds simple, but little ways. In the last three or four weeks, 
you know, not out of any pride, but just out of that, that, that that's the fact now because of what God's done in my spirit. I've watched it happen now. I mean, little things, little, even last night, Julie and I were trying to go to sleep, and for the first time ever, our neighbors, who are musicians of some type, you know, orchestral-type musicians, whatever, they were having a party. And even though it was cold last night, they were outside in the back, you know, drinking the wine and what have you, and just very loud, and we couldn't go to sleep. And, uh, you know, went and woke Julie up and what have you, and then finally Julie just said, you know, she went and flicked the light on in her back garden just hopefully to give them, get their attention, you know, so but anyhow, I came up, and Julie just said, I can't sleep. And I, I said, well, yeah. I said, well, babe, let's just, it'll be fine. They'll stop in a moment. It has to be. It's around 1130 now. And she said, well, yeah, we just need to pray. And anyhow, so I just, just, she just said that. I just got up. I went into the loo, and I sat down on the toilet. <laughs> and I, you know, like I said, the throne room. You get a lot of revelations in the throne room. But no, but no, I'm just being honest. It's as simple as this. Now, this is not boasting in me. I'm going to boast in my God. It's such a simple thing. And he just refreshed. He reminded me. He said, I told you, I'm grateful you've been abiding in my word. Ask what you will, and it'll be done for you. I said, well, Father, I ask in Jesus' name for them to go inside and finish their party there. Amen. It wasn't 40 seconds. Oh, they went quiet. They went in. Now, that sounds so simple. That's not like asking for cancer to be healed. But what I'm saying, see, I don't know how to say it because this is what's going on with me. I'm not just hurling prayers around all over the place. I'm not looking for things to pray about. But he quickens me to stuff. And I've become very careful now. What I mean is, you know, in the... In years gone by, I would have quoted that verse and then said, that's the verse I'm going to use as my formula to just get something I want. Not that I was selfish, it's just that's the way, you know, you're, you're taught, you think, and you grow up with it. But now it's, it's different. It's just that it's when I'm, I'm sensing the promptings, like Paul said, being prompted by the Holy Spirit. And I'm getting, I'll get prompted by him, and I'll just... Use that truth right now because I'm obeying that. And again, please, I'm, God knows you're not, I'm not trying to build me up. I am not trying to draw attention to me. I'm trying to say that I am being personally just so thrilled because I'm abiding in his word and he's abiding in me. And when he prompts me to something and I ask for it, it's hap- it just happens. And he said, and see, the thing is I'm growing. He's starting me off with this stuff. But I said all that to say one thing, this, the major thing I'm praying is, again, and don't, this, this is not for anybody to say, oh, isn't Rod a nice guy? But I am asking, I've asked, you know, for there to be this awakening in every one of you. That's my, and I'm telling you it's going to happen. Because he's faithful. He's not a man that he should lie. Because I'm abiding in this word, and he's abiding in me. And he said it. I didn't. He said, if you ask anything, he said, whatsoever you'll ask, I'll do it. And I've asked. So he's doing it. And every one of you, and every one of you, he, he is. There's an awakening that's taking place in every single one of you that's trans- going to transform your life. You are going to find yourself far more, quote-unquote, studious. I don't know what phrase to use, but you are going to find yourself 
being drawn to this book more and more and more and more. The TV is going to be off more and more and more. Even the music is going to be off more and more and more. And you're going to find yourself face to face with Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the living God. The one who has paid for everything and is simply the one who is waiting simply for our spirits to get in alignment with the truth that he's already brought to us. Because again, it is absolutely, I don't mind using the phrase blow my mind right now because I'm happy that my mind's getting out of the way and more of God's mind is coming in. But it's just blowing my mind to really see the depth of his goodness and his desire for you and I to be blessed above all peoples of the earth. I mean, I'm actually understanding it. I'm seeing it. And I want this so transferred on you. I just desperately want you to see the goodness of the Lord. I've got a thousand scriptures. I could just take three chapters in Deuteronomy right now, which would blow my mind. Everything, everywhere, God's will is that you be blessed above all peoples. God's will is that you be blessed above all peoples. Not so that you can brag about having a new car. But again, I've said it every week and you, I'm praying you don't get weary of hearing it. I want you to catch it that the world might know that I am a living God. He wants you blessed with houses, with children, with spouses, with lands. It's no, he's so big. A house isn't a big deal to God. See, forgive me, but you've got to start seeing like he sees. I said it every, every, and see a moment, though immediately, most of us, if we're honest, I'm sure when we think that instantaneously the weight of doubt comes to say, well, no, I, it, and I'm, <laughs> no, just no. And you'll have a thousand justifications or reasons. But that realm, he sees nothing is impossible to them who believe. And he, when he sees that we see, it's not about wanting something to consume it upon our own lusts. When he sees that you've actually arrived at that place where it's not about me having something, but about it's about me reflecting who I serve. When he actually begins to see that, see, there's something, there's like an authority because of your heart belief that suddenly it's like the it's socket, it gets plugged in. And this exchange between heaven's will and earth gets energized. And the, the will of God that's been done in Christ Jesus, it starts to be made flesh in your life. But he's waiting for all of us to get to that place where we realize it really, see we sing about it, but I mean when it really happens, it really is all about him. I said it really is all about him. It really is all about Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Um, Ephesians 1, verse 3, Amplified Bible. Paul's praying, Ephesians 3, verse...
Ephesians 1, verse 3. I'm going to read a lot of scripture, and then we're going to shut up, because hallelujah, it'll be good. May blessing, now this is God-breathed words, may blessing, praise, laudation, and eulogy be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who has, now you got to hear that right there, has is past tense, right? Is that correct? Who has blessed us. It's already been, it's already happened. It's done. Who has blessed us in Christ. And see, all of you that have asked him into your life, remember, you are in him and he's in you. But blessing, blessing be to God the Father who has blessed us in Christ with every. I've looked it up in all my lexicons, and you know what every means? It means every. Who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual, that it says in the Amplified, given by the Holy Spirit, but with every spiritual blessing that's in the heavenly realm. Now, wait a second. You know, you, you need to camp there for about five years. Every, what does that mean? What spiritual blessings in the heavenly realm, in that realm, that realm is full of spiritual, spirit blessings. But God's word says here, through this man who had this direct experience with Christ who taught him, said that because we're in Christ, we need to see ourselves as have all, we've already been blessed. See, this capacity is in you and me now. Please don't just let that go over your head. This is why, again, you don't understand the Bible with your head. You don't approach God with intellect. Remember, God is quite above intellect. And yet, when we first approach Scripture, it's, of course, our intellect that strikes it first because we try to comprehend, understand text with our brain. And that's not wrong. But the thing is, when our brain, you have to get to the place that when your brain, quote, unquote, doesn't comprehend what that means, that your spirit says, I'm going to believe it anyhow. And see, you don't, understanding, like in the world, they used, remember how we've said this all the time, the world says, when I see it, I'll believe it. But the Bible teaches when you believe it, as when you'll begin to see it. See, it's the same thing. For years I've heard people say, well, Rod, if you can make me understand the Bible, if you can make me understand church, I'll get involved. But the fact of the matter is I told them, well, you know what? In the kingdom, it doesn't work that way. It's just the opposite. When you get involved, understanding comes. You know why? Because God demands faith. We're the ones that have to take what he calls the first step because in his mind, he's already taken the first step when he sent his son. But this word says we have already been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. Now, I don't fully comprehend all that yet, but you know what I'm learning to do? I'm saying yes and amen to it because that's when awakening begins. You at least give awakening an opportunity to happen when you say yes and amen to what God said he's done. Did you hear what I just said? 
that's when you, you're the one that has to give permission for an awakening to happen in your own life by saying yes and amen to what God says he has done for us. You're all looking at me like, a, like I don't know what. But anyhow, let me keep reading. Verse 4, even as in his love he chose Rod, he actually picked Rod out for himself as his own in Christ before the foundation of the world that Rod should be holy, consecrated, set apart for him, and blameless in his sight, even above reproach before him. And it's all in this stuff called love. Again, like I said, it is, it is earthly. It's impossible from an earthly comprehension to grasp this love. Love, these four letters. But see, this is how I, I read Scripture all, all the time now. What I mean is, it's about me. I could, that I could take, a, you know, Dom, you know. Even as in his love, God actually chose Dom. He picked Dom out for himself as his own. He's mine. And see, I'll, I'll be reading, and I start to say that. See, he picked me out as his own. I'm his. Hallelujah. And see, something begins to happen in you. I'm God's. I belong to God. I'm God's portion. But you are. See, again, you have to say it before you see it. You have to get it in him. Even as in his love, he chose each and every one of us. He actually picked us out for himself. In love, he did this because he is love. See, every decision he makes, he makes from love because he is love. He can't make a decision out of love. Even as in his love, he chose you. He said, you know what? I'm picking you out. You're mine. He said, I did this before the foundation of the world. He said, don't try to figure that out. Just believe it. He said, I picked you out that you should be holy. And you see, later on, we're going to get to the place where he says, you are holy right now. Hallelujah. If you're in Christ, you are holy. If you are in Christ, if you're born again, you are holy now. We're not talking about behavior. We're talking about what he's done in you. You are. You. You, remember. You. Not your flesh. Not your brain. You. Your spirit. Because you're a spirit. Right? You hear me? You have been made holy. Not your flesh. Your flesh still has a demonic nature in it. It wants all kinds of stupid stuff. Your brain still goes crazy until you get it more and more renewed to God. And boy, what a, what a grateful revelation that is when you realize that. But he said, and that you should be, that we should be set apart for him. See, we're like his chosen ones. We've been set apart and we're blameless in his sight. <laughs> you ought to be practicing saying that for a couple hours. I'm blameless in God's sight. See, because, not, because, not because of me, but because of Jesus. Verse 5, for he foreordained. This is the whole issue that a lot of churches and theologians over the years struggle over the issue of quote-unquote predestination. They think, you know, they used to preach like Calvinists would preach that, you know, there are some that are destined to be born again and go to heaven and some are destined to go to hell. So there's some people that can live as dirty and foul as they want to and they're going to go to heaven. And there's some people that can live upright and righteous and as good as ever, but you're going to hell. That's what they used to preach, you know, a lot. That's what they said was predestination. But what they miss is that the predestination issue has to do with first, you're predestined once you enter into Christ. 
you enter, once you say yes to Jesus, you enter into the predetermined plan of God for mankind. That's what it speaks to, but you know, anyhow. For he foreordained you. I need to use somebody's name. Whose name should I use? Astrid, Keith, I don't know, Abby, my wife, beloved wife, Julie. For he foreordained Keith. He destined Keith. He planned in love for Keith to be adopted, to be revealed as his own child through Jesus Christ. Now you see this next phrase about five times in Ephesians, in accordance with the purpose of his will. In other words, he's doing all this because it's according to something. It's according to the principle of how God does things. It's according to the principle and the purpose of what he's released over this earth. Remember, you need to take time. You need to read the whole letter. You know, we're just taking time to read a little bit out of it. But he said, he foreordained us. He destined us. He planned in love for us to be adopted and to be revealed as his own kids. I'm God's child, man. You're God's daughter. You're God's son. You really are. And you need to re really begin to think that through. Like he's going to say it pretty soon again, and you, and you belong to his household. I mean, you live in God's house as far as heaven is concerned. You're God's kid. He withholds no good thing from those who walk uprightly before him. You're God's kid. He's looking constantly for ways to show himself strong to you. He wants to show off in your life. He wants people to see it's worth living for him. But you please understand, that's why hell works so hard to defeat this truth. This is why the greatest lies he's ever perpetrated are lies through religion, not through demon worshipers. He brings the leaven into the church and lets it swell until finally people say, I'm going to take a vow of poverty because that'll be more godly. Nothing's further from the truth. But if it's been perpetrated in your life or your generations, it can be truth to you. And you've heard me say this many times, and what you believe, you empower. But this is why God wants us to believe what he's done. But I love the fact that in the last little part of verse 5, it says, let me read it again. For he foreordained us, destined us, planned in love for us to be adopted, to be revealed as his own children through Jesus Christ in accordance with the purpose of his will. And this last little phrase now, it says, because it pleased him and was his kind intent. But you know what the, <laughs> you know what it says literally in the Greek there? It says, in other words, he's doing all this. He planned in love for you to be adopted as his own daughter, as his own son. And then it says in the Greek, because he wanted to. <laughs> I'm sorry, that cracks me up. Why is God doing this? He said, because I want to, and I'm God. <laughs> I want these children to be my children. And so I'm gonna, I've got a plan, and it's going to be planned from love, planned in love. And in this plan, I'm simply going to choose them. All they have to do is receive by faith the truth that my son, Jesus Christ, is my son, and received the truth that he died for them and was raised from the dead for them. If they will believe that, 
then all that I have planned from before the foundation of the world will come to pass in their life. That is my will. That is what I will to happen in their life. If they will but incline their ear unto my sayings, if they will set their focus on things above and not on things of the earth, if they'll be set free from looking at things to the material way of looking at things, he said, I will overwhelm them with blessing so that the world might know. So that the world might know. Verse 6, so that we might be to the praise. He's going to do all this so that we, this is part of his plan, so that we might be to the praise and the commendation of his glorious grace, this favor and mercy, which he has so freely bestowed on us in the beloved. And see, once you're in Christ, you're in the beloved and our entire journey is beginning to discover more and more of what it means. What this, what kind of favor has come upon us? It's a glorious favor, which he's freely bestowed. And then in verse 7, it says, it's in him that we have redemption. We've got deliverance already, salvation already, because it was through his blood. We have the remission, the forgiveness of our offenses, our shortcomings and trespasses, here it says in accordance again with the, this plan, in accordance with the riches and the generosity of his gracious favor. Now look at the first phrase of verse 8, which he lavished upon us. Now you need to park there sometimes. See, God didn't give you a little drip of mercy. God, you know, it's not like Brill Cream Christianity, a little dabble, do you? Some of you are too young to remember that old commercial way back when, Brill Cream for your... I used to say, a little dab will do you. A little dab will do you. It's not a, we're not talking about a little dab of grace here. God is, like I said, super abundant. He's a bit bigger than we have allowed him to be. And he's not poured grace on you. He has lavished upon us a glorious favor that, again, this hunk of meat can't figure out, ever, will never figure out, and will continually be revealed to me only when I leave this earth and actually sit with him. Whoo! Hallelujah! That's when, oh my God, I will see, I will see as things truly are. Hallelujah! But down here on earth, he's made a way for us to get as near as we can. But it says, which he lavished upon us in every kind, he lavished this upon us in every kind of wisdom and understanding and practical insight and prudence, verse 9, making known to us the mystery and the secret of his will, of his plan, of his purpose. And I'm telling you, you need to read Ephesians a lot, and you need to actually think about how often this is mentioned, particularly in the Amplified. God's, through Paul, is trying to reveal to you something. God had a plan, and God has worked out his plan and part of his plan, the major part of his plan, was sending his own son in the guise of flesh to defeat sin forever so that those who receive him might receive righteousness forever, for all eternity. There's this plan. And like I said, I don't know if you believe this or not, but God's plan works. But we have to start saying yes and amen. Like it says, remember in Corinthians, all the promises, all the promises... All the promises of God have been answered already. Yes and amen. And we are to utter the amen to them. Amen means so be it. We're to see the promise. 
not pray for what's already been promised, but say amen to it. So be it in my life. Hallelujah. Is anybody hearing this? You're, you're, you're already forgetting it. You're thinking about carols and this, that, and the other. He, and, he, and again, it says in verse 9 in the middle of it, and he says, and it is this, his plan. It is this, in accordance with his good pleasure, his merciful intention, which he had previously purposed and set forth in him, Christ, verse 10, he planned for the maturity of the times and the climax of the ages to unify all things, all things, and head them up and consummate them in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth. Verse 11, in him we also were made God's heritage. We're God's portion. God looks around and says, he's my portion. Astrid's my inheritance now. They're mine. Boy, you need to, I'm telling you, you need to see that. I'm, I'm his, but he in his grace has made him me, mine. God is mine now. Because I've been made one with his son and with him and his words abide in me. In him, we also were made God's heritage and we obtained, not going to, we have obtained an inheritance for we had been foreordained, chosen and appointed beforehand in accordance with his purpose who works out everything in agreement with the counsel and the design. He's a designer, you see. And the design of his own will, verse 12, so that we who first hoped in Christ, see this is the whole thing. He's talking about those who have hoped we've actually believed in Christ. So that we who first hoped in Christ, who first put our confidence in him, we've been destined and appointed to live for the praise of his glory. 13, in him you also who have heard the word of truth, the glad tidings. It's not misery tidings. It's glad tidings. You've heard the glad tidings of your salvation you who have believed and adhered to and relied on, you and I have been stamped with the seal of the long-promised Holy Spirit. You're sealed. You're God's daughter. No man can ever break that seal. You can try, but you'd be stupid to try it. But the goodness of God, like I said, is what draws you to it. You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Verse 14, that spirit, and this is a word, a statement here that's just freaky. Because, how, you know, that spirit is the guarantee. How do you know you're saved? That spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. The first fruits, the pledge, the foretaste, the down payment on our heritage in anticipation of its full redemption and our acquiring complete possession of it to the praise of his glory. Oh my gosh, man. You need to read that over and over again. The very fact that we have the Holy Ghost, we speak in other tongues and we sense him is proof. 
See, I don't want to do bad. I want to do good. Hopefully, all of you in here want to do good, right? Hopefully. That's part of the proof that you're actually stamped and sealed with the Holy Ghost. You see, the thing is, hell wants you to, again, meditate constantly, think on nothing but all of your shortcomings. He wants you to constantly think about where you fall short. Because, but the thing is, remember, all of us fall short of the glory of God. But like it goes on to say, the next verse in Romans says, but just like all have fallen short, all have been justified through faith in Christ Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. And it says we will never come up for judgment. Hallelujah is right. You'll never come up for judgment. You will never come up for judgment. The world will suffer judgment. And you may, may still be in the world. And you may see it around you. But you have been judged righteous before God. And therefore you're saved from all of it. Anyhow. We could read on and on and on. It's so rich, so powerful. We go to chapter 2, verse 1. And here, of course, these next several verses, I'm going to read eight verses, then I'm done. And you, you, anybody in here are you? Sorry, I'm having fun with the pulpit. Anybody in here are you? You're, I don't mean a female sheep. <laughs> <coughs> And you, listen, he made alive. When you were dead, think about that. You're stone cold dead. You're dead, man. But because of faith in Christ, he makes you alive again. See, the thing is, when you were dead, when your spirit was dead, you didn't know that that was death. Do you hear me? I didn't know it was death. When I was a heroin addict, I'm taking belts and putting them around my arm and looking for a vein and shooting heroin. I, I wasn't thinking that was death. I figured that was just what you do in the world. You know, that's, you're getting high, you're doing stupid stuff. But I wasn't thinking. I didn't designate that as death. I had no idea that that was death working in me. But I come to Christ and he says, even in you, he made life. He made me alive while I was dead in my sin. But he made you alive while you were dead too. You may not have been a horrific transgressor, you know, herald addict some whatever, but you were dead before Christ. You were dead. Everybody in that world out there outside those doors right now that does not profess Jesus Christ, I don't care how sweet they are. I don't care how nice they are. I don't care how good they are. I don't even care how many good works they've done. If they don't know and profess Jesus Christ as Lord, they're dead. That's what propels us to want to be better and know more so that we can have successful communication to save them, to be unashamed of the truth of the gospel. This is the truth. We don't bow down to the philosophies, the philosophies of man or intellectual argument. It says that all through the pastoral epistles. No, no, no. But anyhow, you and I have been made alive while we were dead, slain on our trespasses and sins. Verse 2, in which at one time we walked habitually. We were following the course and the fashion of this world. We didn't understand. 
I love this phrase. We were under the sway. We were under the sway of the tendency of this present age. Everybody say this present age. You know what I mean? This present age. A lot of people are absolutely engrossed in the way of this present age. To them, this present age, what they see on TV every day, to them, that's what life is about. They watch all this stuff. They watch all the movie stars. They watch the rock stars, the music stars. They watch all that. Some people watch the stupid Kardashian trip, whatever that is. They watch that, and they think, and you know, and that's life. And they think that's life. But the sad thing is 90% of those people are dead. They're walking dead men, the Bible says, but they don't even know it. But see, that doesn't mean we go out there and condemn them. This is why the love of God constrains us to the point that we begin to actually see that. And it breaks the power of the fear in our life to say something to them about this Christ. But this is the thing. So you have to get to the place where you don't try to win them to Christ intellectually. Do you hear me? It's not your great conversation. It's the strength of what you finally believed in your heart because the spirit is where the power comes from. When you're in a restaurant, people sense something different about you. They sense something. I've had that said so many times. There's something different about you. And it's not my intellect. But people that are so dead, see, they recognize something. They don't understand, but this is different than me. And that's what I want, and that's what every single one of you are going to walk with, a difference. The difference, which is Jesus Christ. You were following the course and the fashion of this world. You were under the sway of the tendency of this present age. And yeah, whether you believe it or not, you were following. You didn't know it. You had no idea. But you were following the prince of the power of the air that's around us. You were obedient to, you didn't know this, but you were under the control of the demon spirit that's still, that's still, that's still, that is constantly at work in the sons of disobedience. The careless, the rebellious, the unbelieving who go against the purposes of God. Verse 3. Among these, we, as well as you, once lived, and we once conducted our flesh. Excuse me, we once conducted ourselves in the passions of our flesh, our behavior. I I think you'll agree with this. (laughs) Our behavior was governed. We didn't know it was essential nature, but our behavior was governed by our corrupt and our sensual nature. We simply went around obeying the impulses of our flesh and the thoughts of our mind. Our cravings were dictated by our senses. See, we weren't walking by faith then, we're walking by sense. Our cravings were dictated by our senses and our dark imaginings. We were then, by nature, children of God's wrath and heirs of his indignation like the rest of mankind. But then we go to the next verse, and boy, how huge is the next verse. Verse 4. Put it up there, quick. Got to get verse 4 up there. But God! So rich! I know you think I'm just being a loud American. 
You can't just see him as being so ranch with him. No, 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 no. This is explosive. This is bigger than five billion nuclear weapons exploding at the same time. But God, the creator who lives outside all this, who flung the universes, measured them with the span of his hand. <laughs> galaxy here, galaxy there. Yet this was the realm he made us to live in. But God, so rich, so rich is he in his mercy. Remember all we've been walking in the sensual nature. We were following the prince of the air. But God, so rich is he in his, because of, now listen, and in order to satisfy, something had to be satisfied. In order to satisfy the great and the wonderful and the intense love with which he loved us. Have you ever been intensely loved? Some of us say I've never been loved. That may be true right now. But see, I'm telling you, you get into this book, you find out, you'll find out you're not just loved. You're, I don't know what words, you're so, in, you're intensely, Deeply, dramatically, overwhelmingly loved by the Father, by God, the Creator Himself. And He is so big, His love is so explosive, it says He had to satisfy, He had to satisfy Himself. And remember this simple phrase we say often, but I don't think we still hear it love isn't fulfilled until it gives itself away. Did you hear that? Love, real love, because of what love is. Love isn't fulfilled until it finds an avenue to give itself to somebody or to something. That's how we've been designed by God. But God, so rich in his mercy because of and in order to satisfy the great and the wonderful and the intense love with which he loved us, even when we were dead and slain by our own shortcomings and trespasses, he made us alive together in fellowship and in union with Christ. What do you do with this next phrase? He gave us the very life of Christ himself. The same new life with which he quickened him. In other words, when he was dead. For it is by this grace, this favor, this mercy, which Rod didn't deserve, that I have been saved, that you have been delivered from judgment, and you've been made a partaker of Christ's salvation. Now he's gone further than that because verse 6 is where he says this. And he said, and he's raised us. See, again, it's past tense. You have to begin to see yourself from how God sees you. And he has raised us up together with him. And he's made us sit down. Now sitting down means rest. And he's made us sit down together, giving us joint seating with him in the heavenly sphere by virtue of our being in Christ, the Messiah, 
the anointed one. Now, I'm telling you, all of that is what they used to call, that's shouting ground. That's where you're supposed to shout. But see, this is why, you know, part of my job, like I said right now, is to just... Oh, darn it. <laughs> part of my job is just to, is to really pray this in. I want this for you so desperately. I want this for you, so I want you to see. I need to stop. Verse 7, he did this so that he might clearly demonstrate through the ages to come the immeasurable, the limitless, the surpassing riches of his free grace, his unmerited favor in his kindness and goodness of heart that's been shown toward us in Christ Jesus. Four, verse eight, it is by free, free. You can't pay enough for it. It's by free grace God's unmerited favor that you are saved right now. Everybody in this room who's named and said, I believe Jesus is the Son of God, you have been saved and delivered from judgment. And you've been made a partaker of Christ's salvation through this faith of yours. And this salvation, guys, you see, it's not of yourselves. It's not of our own doing. It does not come through our striving. It is the gift of God. <laughs> it's the gift to you. He said, here, here's my son. He's my gift. You didn't earn it. They're doing anything right. But if you'll receive him, if you'll receive this gift, all reason for judgment is now banished. Your slate is wiped clean. You stand before me pure. Yes, I know what you still feel. Yes, I know your flesh still has problems. But you have been saved. The eternal part of you has been saved. Yes, you'll be warring with your flesh for years to come. But if you keep renewing your mind, the war will become less and less. But that has nothing to do with the fact that as of now, I have given you a gift. It's called grace. It comes in the person of my son, Jesus. Will you receive him? If you will, you'll be delivered from any and all judgment. This is my gift to you. And that's what happened at Christmas. Not because of works, not the fulfillment of the law's demands, lest any man should boast. Verse 9, see it? Is it up there? It's, put up verse 9, please. I want you to see that one part. It is not the result of what anyone can possibly do. So no one can pride himself in it and take glory to himself. Father, I give you thanks today. I give you thanks for your gift. It is so huge. Well, again, Father, I thank you. I thank you. I have asked, and you are opening the eyes of all of our people. They're going to see how huge, how large, how massive, how unlimited, how expansive, 
is this gift that has been given to them. You're going to restore what the canker worm has eaten. You're going to restore all that hell has tried to steal from their life. You're going to replace sadness and sorrow with great joy and great rejoicing because that's what you do. You reverse the curse. You turn everything around and you bring life that is abundant, life till it overflows because that's what your nature is. You're super abundant. You are super abundant. You're more than enough. You're El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. And I thank you, Father, for the revelation of the gift that you've given us this Christmas, that they will unwrap this gift for themselves by reading about it, that they will unwrap this gift themselves by reading about it and how to put it to work. And I thank you that they, these, they will walk free from any condemnation of the flesh. They will put your word in their mouth. They will put your words, your breath, your living voice in their mouth, on their lips. And their lips are going to speak your breath and speak your voice. And the life, the potency that's in all that seed is going to grow, be birthed, and produce an abundant harvest for every one of them. That is what I proclaim. That is what I decree. In the name of him whom I serve, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So I pray in Jesus' name, each and every one of them will receive the gift of God and begin to unwrap all of what that means. All of what that means. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 